Welcome back to Dynasty Mode. I'm Mike, and I'm joined by Dave, hey, and Kevin, and Doug. What's going on? Hey, whole squad. How's everybody yep. doing? Doing well. It's good to be back after a long break. Yeah, <laughs> me too. The bait and switch we hit everybody with this summer. <laughs> but, all right. Before we start, I'm giving Kevin the floor. One minute, Cam Akers. Let's go. Oh. I gotta feel good about him, right? Yeah, I think he's I agree. high ankle sprain, so he's done for the regular season. But I feel like he, I feel like he's right in there with Taylor Dobbins. Um, I might even put him ahead of Edwards Alaire at this point, Antonio Gibson. So I think that whole rookie class looks like it's going to be awesome. And I think anyone who had Acres was probably pretty discouraged early on, but I feel good about him right now. It's kind of weird how long it took all those guys to like to get the job. It was, right. I mean, I had I had a decent amount of those guys in in redraft leagues, and I think like I cut them, then re-signed them, then cut them. Like it was just like I, I don't know. It was it was sort of frustrating to have them in in redraft leagues, but definitely good picks at this point to have in in dynasty leagues for sure. Yeah, there was a point in a redraft that allows keepers as well to a degree where I saw Akers was just floating and I was like, all right, I'm going to pick him up. Like right. not going to hurt me to have him at the bottom of my roster. Yeah. So, oh, got something well, I was just going to say it was a little different this year with, cause usually rookie RBs come in right away and basically like, you know, weeks one, two, three, they take the job, but maybe the, the lack of a training camp hurt some of those guys and it just took a while for them to get going. But I think at this point you're looking at all those guys as like in redraft next year, probably, early second round picks, late first round picks. Yeah. I thought, I thought the running backs were going to be fine with the short off season. I thought it was the wide receivers. Yeah. We're going to get slammed. It was the opposite. And some of the wide receivers didn't hit, but that's, that's not what we're really here to talk about. We're, we're, we're coming in with our hot takes for 2021. It's a real early forum. Uh, Kevin, you want to lead us with one? All right. Um, I will say, let's start with the wide receivers. I actually, I'm going to say Justin Jefferson entering this offseason is the overall wide receiver one. Um, he's on pace for 1,350 yards, which would be the most by a rookie receiver since Bill, hold on, Bill Groman of the Houston Oilers in 1960, who had 1,473 <laughs> yards. So He's doing that basically without an offseason with a pretty bad quarterback situation. And he's not even really the number one receiver on his own team. So I think at 21 years old, he's just going to continue to get better. And I, there are a lot of guys you can make the case for, but I'll say Jefferson as the overall uh, wide receiver one. Anybody want to argue against that or uh, pick their own uh, wide receiver one? I wouldn't say pick my own wide receiver one, but I think that this bodes even better now coming into 2021 for Chase out of LSU, who looked even better than Justin Jefferson last season in their offense and now um, will be coming into the league, obviously, after not playing a season. But I think that bodes pretty well for him this season as well or heading into next year. Yeah. Do we all think that, uh, it's going to be Cousins throwing the ball there again next year. I don't see why not. That's where I stand as well. Yeah. Probably based on his contract. He right. did. I think he did recently sign an extension. So and it was like fully guaranteed, I think, right? 
Right. God, that guy has made a ridiculous amount of money <laughs> in his career. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's probably Cousins again. And he's, you know, he's probably a bottom half quarterback. But just the fact that Jefferson's been able to do this in his rookie year with him, um, at some point he'll have a quarterback that's not Kirk Cousins and hopefully will be an upgrade maybe two years from now. So I, I think he's also super young. He's only 21 right now. So I just – I look at him as – just a, a shade above guys like DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, um, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, other guys you can make the case for as wide receiver one. All right. Uh, the, well, the, I only have... path, the only path to Kirk Cousins not being there would be a trade to the 49ers. If, if the Vikings no longer want Kirk Cousins, uh, Kyle Shanahan wanted his guy, and then the Vikings had some other plan at, at quarterback, but that even seems kind of unlikely. All right, I had somebody else as the uh, the overall wide receiver one, which was Terry McLaurin. Um, currently in half point PPR leagues, he is wide receiver sixteen. He only has three touchdowns on the year, which we've discussed. Touchdown luck is just that; it's luck. And he's had a terrible situation in terms of quarterbacking his entire career, all two years of it. Uh, the addition of Antonio Gibson, I think, will ease up coverage on him. Perhaps there's a new or better quarterback in there next year. And I, I kind of said this right before we went on. I think anybody in the top 15-ish wide receivers has the possibility to be the the wide receiver one overall at this point. If you look at the top 15, they are all incredible. The depth of the position is pretty mind-blowing and to be I think the number one you just gotta have some touchdown luck my my uh rebuttal on that would be that I I like Terry McLaurin a lot and I I had him in a few leagues this year but I'm not sure if there's a direct path to them significantly improving that quarterback situation in the near enough future where you would get enough out of him in 2021 and possibly even 2022 if they don't get like a, a top tier quarterback who can lead that team to actually scoring significantly more points moving forward like they, it's possible that that happens but i'm not sure like it, if they make the playoffs that like that decreases the chances of that happening even more i agree um but this isn't the mild take episode. It's the hot take. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm just going to come up with a blazing hot take right now that we don't really need to discuss. Cowboys pick up QB. Dak hits the market. Daniel Snyder goes nuts. Offers him a go. boatload of cash. There's the path. Okay. That's a, yeah, that can could, that could make it happen. That's better than my prediction of uh, Ron Rivera and Cam Newton reunite. And Cam Newton throws for like five touchdowns next season. Uh. <laughs> I hate it, hate it. Two of which are to himself. Yeah. All right, Dave, you want to hit us with a, a hot take? Sure. Uh, I think even though the Jets are going to lose the Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence uh, sweepstakes, I still think Denzel Mims will be a top 20 wide receiver next year. And so there hasn't been much on field to, you know, get this idea. I know you're high on him. Is it just because he's the best wide receiver and somebody has to catch the ball for the team? Uh, I mean, when he's been out there, he's looked really good. Uh, he, he looks like he um, he can go get the ball. Like, 
in in with contact um i don't know i, I just really like him I, I think he passes my eye test uh there's not a lot of stats to back that up but it's the hot take episode so no yeah no no keep keep him coming all right doug what do you got i'll i have a hot take about i don't think that joe burrow will be a startable quarterback Oof. moving forward but, like ever really like possibly ever this like, is hot this is a hot one i was this is why we get doug on the show <laughs> people smarter than me are definitely concerned about joe burrow's arm talent i would i would say and i think that there's a possibility that joe burrow could be a a slightly better chad pennington for his entire career where he's completing a ton of passes not throwing a lot downfield and obviously it depends pretty heavily on whether or not the Bengals put good weapons around him but he's also on the Bengals, which are the most like bizarrely run pro sports franchise <laughs> in the world it's like it's run like the like the corner store that's down the street from your house rather than like a billion dollar franchise so i i just yeah, it, like I said, or like you guys were saying, it's a hot take episode, and uh, I don't know if he will be a top 10 to 12 fantasy quarterback in his career. All right. I wow. mean, he was definitely on track. I mean, he wasn't hitting the 30s consistently like some of the, the truly elite. Do you think that they pick up a offensive lineman in the draft or they go for Jamar Chase and they try to reconnect – those two to give him that security blanket probably offensive line help because if they don't then joe bro joe burr is just like never going to be healthy because he's going to get the crap kicked out of him in every game so the smart move would probably be um an offensive lineman because like it's not like they have bad weapons around him i think that they like higgins so um yeah i would go with o-line on that one well since we're talking bengals I know Kevin and yeah. Dave share a hot take. Yeah, I was going to say Doug's hot take kind of destroys uh, <laughs> what, what me and Dave are going to say. We actually agree. Well, I have two Bengals hot takes, so I might have to revisit those after this information from Doug. But um, first one on Mixon, and God, I just I've had Joe Mixon in fantasy literally every year of his career, and every year it's been a disappointment. I actually think Mixon in Dynasty is a decent buy low entering this offseason. Because they did show a, a, a commitment to run him, you know, 20, 22 times a game. Um, they should have a better offense. I, even if Joe Burrow is not an elite, elite quarterback, he's an upgrade over what they've had for the past, you know, four or five years throughout Mixon's career. And um, really until this season, he's been pretty durable. So I don't even really, really label him as an injury prone player. I think he just had just kind of a fluky season. Um, aside from this, he's, he's, has rarely ever missed games. So I still like him as a workhorse running back next year. And I think people who have him in dynasty are probably so frustrated with him that you might be able to ship off, like, I don't know, the ninth or 10th pick in the first round and grab Joe Mixon. And I think he's someone who could help you immediately. And he's still pretty young. I think he's only 24 years old. So um, still could have like two more really productive seasons if he does stay healthy. Yeah, he, he put up some Herculean efforts with a really crappy O-line in the in the past, and I think they're going to upgrade their O-line this offseason. Uh, so I, I don't know. I expect a big bounce back from, from Joe Mixon next year, and 
yeah, you will probably be able to get him relatively cheap uh, based off of just him being injured this year. So, Kevin, I believe when we started this podcast, one of the two times you actually arrived. Okay. We said, if not now, when for Joe Mixon? I do remember you saying that, and that quote when, stuck with me throughout the year as I had him <laughs> in many leagues, and I was like, McGann was right. It's going to be never. This guy's just not good. But I'm back. I'm back on it. I, I actually go. don't hate this, and it, it's almost judged solely on the fact that Bill Belichick said last year that, like, Joe Mixon's one of the best running backs in the NFL, um, which was like just like no, he said he was the of... best running back in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, it was like something like in yeah. that he should be on this hot take episode. He's yeah. he was dropping hotter takes last year than anyone else. <laughs> I was gonna say, I mean, he also picked Sony Michelle over Nick Chubb. Yeah, and he sure. won't he won't stick with one running back. But yeah. I I do think Joe Mixon's a really talented running back. I think that when it clicks for him. Uh, he will be able to go off. And I mean, if what I'm saying is correct about uh, Joe Burrow as well, then they're going to, they might need to rely on their, their running game a little bit. And um, I certainly think that Burrow could probably get involved, uh, you know, throwing to the running backs a little bit more. So um, yeah, no, I, I like Mixon and I think that he is definitely a good by low candidate. All right. Uh, all right, Doug, you said you had a tight end hot take. This is more, I guess, a hot take to myself because I have always devalued tight ends. I've just been like, ah, whatever. Like I'll grab a tight end at like 10 or something. And like, that was the case for, you know, one of the dynasty leagues that I'm in. And it's been the case in most fantasy leagues I'm in, but I have like the crappiest dynasty league team. And the one that we're all in together, like my team is straight trash. And the only reason that I've made the playoffs for two straight years is the fact that I have Travis Kelsey and he's twice as good as any other tight end, basically in the NFL, at least in fantasy wise and production wise this season. So, and I also think that maybe this was just a me problem and not a problem for other people, but I was like ready to sell off Travis Kelsey. I was trying to get basically anything that I could for him this off season. No one was really biting. And I'm so glad I kept him because I wouldn't be where I would be right now without Travis Kelsey. So I would possibly even overpay for a quality tight end like that in a dynasty league or in really any fancy league, because if a guy's giving up, putting out twice the production of anyone else at the position, that's a massive advantage for your team. And I might be preaching to the choir here. And like I said, this might be a me problem more than anything else, but I did not personally see the value in having the best tight end until it's really benefited me over the last couple of years. So I saw a stat and I believe as of right now, he would be wide receiver one. If he was a wide receiver. <laughs> also, he has 50 more points than tight end two, who I think is Darren Waller. Yeah. Darren Waller has 50 more points than tight end three, which is TJ Hawkinson. Tight end, I believe 18 yeah. is 15 points behind Hawkinson. So essentially <laughs> three and down are all the same. Yeah. And obviously that's skewed a little bit this season because George Kittle got hurt and barely barely played this season. Yeah. But Kittle also wasn't incredibly fantasy valuable last season just because he didn't 
seem to have that many touchdowns. I might be off on years on that, but he's kind of, he was a little bit up and down and Kelsey's just been so much more consistent. So I know that Kelsey's sort of getting up there in years at this point, but he's not slowing down production wise and he's in the best offense in football and he will be as long as Patrick Mahomes is there. I was going to ask if there would be any hesitance in trading for him because he's 31. So, I mean, you don't want to get him and he right. falls off. I mean, he's, but this is the best year of his career so right. far. So it's not, it doesn't look like he's close to falling off. I will say that I guess tight ends don't put up elite production that long, but like tight ends stay good for a really long time. Yeah. Like Tony Gonzalez was good until he was like 38. Um, Jason was Witten was really good for a long time. Like Gronk obviously retired, but that, just seemed to be more of a Gronk issue than a, yeah. a general tight end thing. Like, oh, Antonio Gates was good forever. He played until he was like 39. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. And so I do think that it's possible that Kelsey could drop off in a couple of years or like maybe even as soon as next year. But like, if he doesn't, then you're getting so much value out of him when that might be a devalued position to people who might want to get a flashier running back or wide receiver and give up a player like Travis Kelsey because he plays a position that like you were saying again, three through 18 are all the same. So like if you're not getting one or two, then you can basically put anyone out there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if, if you lost him, you'd be stuck with someone who's like uh, a, a John U Smith or something like, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have been starting Logan Thomas this year, which wouldn't have been the end of the world. He's been good, but he's not anywhere near Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's 150 points behind him. Essentially. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think he's yeah. the tight end five, five or six. It's either him or Ebron. Right. Uh, and so like, that says everything. Logan <laughs> Thomas, who like didn't even come on until halfway through the year is tight end five, you know? Yeah. And, and like he's Robert Tanya years old. Is the tight end three probably. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, what you're saying speaks to me in our league because I've cycled through a million of the lower tier tight ends and hoped I'm like, you know what? Uh, Irv Smith's going to be the guy, Higby, Gerald Everett. <laughs> right. Like I've wasted so many trades and so much, you know, uh, even like waiver budget on that stuff. So it would be kind of nice to just have a guy that you can just lock in and not worry about it. And really there are only, I don't know how many of those guys there are three probably at this right, point, like two or three Kelsey Waller, yeah, Kelsey, and, Waller Kittle. And, and Kittle. And that's it. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. So I'm going to piggyback off that because my hot take is that, Kyle Pitts is a top three tight end as a rookie. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched any footage of him. He is a monster. (laughs) He, uh, I mean, it's hard to tell because I never saw Gronk's college footage and I didn't dig that deep to find it. But the way he's just flying past people and is way bigger than them reminds me of Gronk. Just going up the seam, catching the ball and running people over. Last week, we talked on the rebuild episode that I kind of thought a tight end like that is more valuable to a team rebuilding because generational prospects don't come along. And if you let the team that has the ninth pick and is already a really good team, which is probably bolstered by their running back and wide receiver core, they're able to get infinitely better because they're, you have to focus on getting wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks they punt to the position and they get this outstanding athlete. And as we showed that being in the top 
three isn't really all that hard or impressive. So there's there's my hot take. Dave, you want to go with one? Well, uh, I'd, I'd add to Pitts real quick too, that, that that almost might be a situation where you've got a wide receiver with a tight end designation because I really don't even know how much Kyle Pitts is going to line up in line with whatever team that he plays for. I think he's like, he's like not that much bigger than Chase Claypool. So if you have a guy who's lining up out wide and lining up in the slot, but still has that tight end designation. Uh, and if, as long as he's playing hundred percent of snaps, he's not kind of more of a role player like Mike Gesicki, then yeah, that is, there is a ton of value on that. Yeah. How, how early do they expect him to get drafted in the NFL draft at this point? The mocks I've seen have him going like late, early, like uh, like late single digits, mid teens. Probably oh, so the end. He could the go to the Patriots. <laughs> Very well, could. I mean, Doug, are you they're probably going to sign Hunter Henry, so they might not have a need there. Uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Dave. Sure. Um, I, I, this one's not really that big of a hot take. It kind of seems. Get it funny. out. Get it out then. But uh, uh, I mean, the 2020 wide receiver class seemed pretty crazy how good it was but i actually think the 2021 class might be way deeper which seems crazy like i mean this year we had what like at least 10 startable wide receivers which is pretty 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 unprecedented for uh rookies in fantasy uh but i could see 14 wide receivers going in the top in the first two rounds in uh, dynasty drafts this next year. Yeah, I think that's not unreasonable. All right. You, uh, you mentioned last year's rookie class, Kevin, you want to finish your, uh, your Bengals hot takes? Yeah, I got another Bengals one. Um, I will go with T Higgins as a top five wide receiver next year I think we really saw this year especially a lot of those guys took the, a major leap from their first to second season and guys who had shown flashes like Metcalf and AJ Brown um, McLaurin Deontay Johnson um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a few but the, the first to second year players made a lot of progress and I think it's going to be a lot of the same next year and T Higgins was really really good uh, for a while it took him a little bit he wasn't playing like full snaps right away so he wasn't in the you know he wasn't quite like like Jefferson but um, he got into a really good groove with Burrow in the middle of the season and obviously his numbers have have since declined without Burrow with uh, Ryan Finley a quarterback but he still might finish I mean he's got 800 yards and and five TD so he's got an outside chance at a thousand yards on his rookie season um, you know half of which was not even with Burrow and it's clear he's their locked in number one receiver. I think Tyler Boyd is always going to be a complimentary number two kind of guy. And AJ Green's definitely not going to be on the Bengals next year. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, so I just really like his upside. I like his situation. I know Doug thinks his quarterback sucks, but I think um, <laughs> I think he's he's in a good spot. I mean, he's tied to Joe Burrow for the next for, for the next three seasons. So I, I, I like Cincinnati's offense to eventually get better. And I think um, Higgins is a guy who could really explode next year. 
I think it, it helps matters too that the Bengals got a pretty good deal actually on Tyler Boyd's contract. He didn't sign some like crazy, like 20 million a year deal or something like that. So I don't think that they'll like feel the need to force the ball to Tyler Boyd or anything over a player who probably is better and T Higgins. Yeah. And I mean, those are two pretty good skill players. And if they improve the offensive line, which was the reason why those guys weren't getting the ball that uh, that'll probably improve. I don't know if I feel like he's top five, but this is the hot take episode. <laughs> That's right. I couldn't say like top 15. I mean, it's <laughs> not that hot. <laughs> no one cares. There's, about there's some wiggle room for that. Um, all right. I'll do the, the mine for the last uh, of these um, wide receivers. Jerry Judy is going to be viewed as a bust until he eventually breaks out similar to Corey Davis or Devonte Parker. I think that there's no quarterback in Denver. It's a bad situation. And with all the talent at the skill positions, he's just never going to break out until there's either a better quarterback brought in or he hits free agency. Maybe he's like Nelson Aguilar and you know, it, it's discovered somewhere else. I just feel like after watching this season, it ended up being a pretty bad situation for him. Uh, anybody want to argue me on that or? No, I could see that happening. I, I think that, I think that they also have like, they have some decent wide receivers in there, like Cortland Sutton. Um, he's not a free agent, right? He's coming back next year. Did he? Yes, yeah, it'll so. be his third season. Third season. So, so I mean, he's on his rookie deal. So yeah. he's competing there. KJ Hamler's showed some potential there as well. He's put up some some big stats at times this season. So uh, I could definitely see that happening, where Judy kind of comes on a little bit late because he he's probably the most talented player of that bunch, but it might just not show fantasy wise for a few years. Yeah. Do you I think, think they'll stick with Locke again next year? Where are they currently projected to draft? I just had this all up. Um, There's so many quarterbacks in that, like, in the first round conversation that I feel like they're probably going to reach for someone or someone's going to fall to them or something where uh, I can't really imagine them going into next season with how this year went with Locke, with him being, like, the, the only option there. So currently, if things were not to change, they would have the 13th pick. And there are arguably one, two, three, four, four and a half. We'll call that five, six, seven teams that could realistically draft a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So I feel as though they would have to move up. Uh, Yeah. Ultimately, I think they have a pretty good defense. They have the skill positions. It's really their biggest glaring fault. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do think that a quarterback would fall there. Like, I, I don't know how many quarterbacks we're talking about going in the first round, but if you've got Trevor Lawrence, I personally think Zach Wilson will, will probably be the second quarterback off the board. Then either Justin Fields or, or Trey Lance. I don't know where Kyle Trask winds up going or um, Mac Jones, but like, there's a lot of guys that John Elway could be tricked into taking. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. So you don't have faith in the player that is coming in to replace Drew Locke? Probably not. Already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Although I, I mean, I don't really have that hot of opinions on any of the, the college quarterbacks coming out, but there's, there's things to like about all those guys. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not going to say that any of those guys are trash or, you know, John always got to take the wrong guy among that group or anything like that. But I do think that there's, it's a pretty decent quarterback class and we could see quite a few of those guys go in the first round. Uh, speaking to your Zach Wilson uh, take at halftime of the, whatever bowl game they're playing in 17 of 21 for 330 yards and five total touchdowns. Yeah. And like, it's, it's the NFL, man. <laughs> like some GM's going to fall in love with Zach Wilson. I don't know. It's, and like Justin Fields didn't look that great in his last game. Uh, Trey Lance only played one game this season and like his ascent as a first round pick coming out of North Dakota state, like for one season is kind of crazy anyway. So I do feel like the amount of quality games that Zach Wilson played this season could boost him up to that, that number two status. I, I have, I have another take if I can drop one. Oh, I would consider trading Josh Allen if you can get decent value for him. And this isn't a Josh Allen sucks take. This is Brian Dable might get a head coaching job somewhere else. And like the magic of the Bills offense might not quite be the same moving forward because I'm not, maybe Ken Dorsey would just move up to offensive coordinator and maybe everything would go perfectly smoothly next season. But based on everything that you hear out of Buffalo, and maybe this is just Bills Mafia, like, buying into um you know the the storylines or whatever but it seems like there's a very special connection between josh allen and brian dable and that's what's allowed josh allen to improve so much and maybe josh allen will be just as good with a different offensive coordinator in there but you don't know that and i don't know if we're going to see this type of performance out of josh allen ever again maybe we do maybe it's every year but i think that there's a distinct possibility that he won't be quite as good next year you know moving forward here i mean i think it always makes sense to try to trade a player at their apex right i don't think that most people think that a player's apex would be year three though i would say true uh have you seen the billboard that the bills mafia have taken up in foxborough yet (laughs) no i haven't you know about this no they won some contest as having the best fan base and they could put a billboard anywhere they wanted. And so somebody, I think it was Fox put up a bills uh, billboard somewhere in Foxborough. I'm assuming it's on route one. Interesting. Probably. Yeah. It's the, probably route one South right before you get to the stadium. I think they might've done that before, like the bills or something put up some billboard. All right. Uh, I had a hot take based on a system. Uh, I think Kyra uh, Baker Mayfield, becomes a consistent top 12 quarterback. I don't think he's very good, but I think he has been coached up fantastically. And as long as Stefanski is there to keep coaching him up and putting him in a a position to succeed, he's going to. And I feel like that's a pretty hot take. So Kevin, you made a real stink face. Well, my only pushback on that would be, I just don't know if they throw enough for him to be a top 12 quarterback. I think they're, they're such a run first offense and I believe they'll continue to be that way with I mean Chubb is there one more year they signed Hunt for I think two more years good old line and Stefanski is coming from that Minnesota system which is a pretty run heavy system as well so I just don't know if he has the pass attempts to to get there into the top 12 I think he's just kind of you know like he's had some games where he's had 
you know, low twenties, mid twenties pass attempts, but he's happened to throw three touchdowns. So he's been good. He's had, I think he had a streak in the season where he went four straight games without throwing a touchdown. So to me, just based on the way they run their offense, I see that as more of his future. And yeah, I think he's capable of some, some big games every once in a while, but I don't know if the consistency will be there. Yeah. So he's, he's QB 18 right now. So obviously this is a hot take to have him jump up. And he definitely has a couple real terrible outlier games where five or seven points, he's got four of those, but uh, it just feels like these past four weeks, it's all kind of come together. I can say that had I made the, the finals and, and, you know, made the championship game, I'm probably starting Baker Mayfield against the jets over Tom Brady or uh, Ben Roethlisberger. So that, that's the level of confidence I have in Baker Mayfield right now. I would start him over the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> I, I think that this is related to Baker Mayfield, and it's not um, as severe, I guess I would say, with Mayfield. But there's a number of players this season who have come on really strong at the end of the year and significantly increased their ranking in fantasy based off those performances and Mayfield is actually one of them. He wouldn't be anywhere near 18 without these last, what is it? Four weeks or whatever it is. It's been a monster. The other ones would be David Montgomery, who I think is currently like running back five or something, six, which is completely insane, but that's only based off the last four weeks before that he was very middling fantasy running back. And then the other one is a player that we mentioned earlier and that's Robert Tunyon with the Packers who's just scoring a touchdown every single week. And that's made him tight end three behind Kelsey and Waller. So I think that there is a fear to some extent of is the player that's boosting those rankings, the real player, or was the real player, the one that we saw the first 10 weeks of the season. And now this is just sort of an anomaly that is going to skew rankings heading into the 2021 season. So I'm not sure what the deal on Mayfield specifically is because he's certainly shown upside in the past, but I personally would be a little bit more wary of the, the Montgomery and, and Tunyon guys who weren't this until very recently. And now that is going to skew all those end of year stats. I would just say that David Montgomery breakout is probably the most random fantasy breakout I've <laughs> yes. ever seen. <laughs> like what the hell? Like that guy stunk for yeah. two years. He was not good. No, he's running for 150 yards and two touchdowns every game. Now I don't know what's happening. When I looked at him being running back six, I was like, I mean, I, I had him on a team all year that finished like five and nine or something terrible. And like, yeah, I probably won the last three weeks because of him, but like it did me no good for the entire rest of the season. I just don't know what to make of that. I don't know if, if he's actually going to continue on this path. I I wouldn't trust it personally. No, I, I I don't trust it either. Yeah, Trubisky's playing well though too. So maybe like Matt Nagy just like made a deal with the devil or something. And like <laughs> I don't know. It's true. It's weird. Yeah, they've also I think one of those games was against Houston, and I mean Houston's run defense this year is basically anybody they play is putting up those numbers. So yeah, we'll see with Montgomery. Obviously, he would be a a uh, sell candidate if you have him. Yeah. I, uh, I picked him in a lot of best ball because he was like between 50 and 60. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was just going to be a volume guy. Right. And I think any league that I got him in, I'm in the money and all the ones I didn't get him in, I'm not. 
which is pretty wild. <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, yeah, those, I mean, you gotta, you gotta pick your, uh, your David Montgomery or pick up your Robert Tanya. And I think he has 10 touchdowns. Yeah. It's, crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. It's like I the guess... Gary Barnage here from the Browns. <laughs> The, the Gary, Gary Barnard season was absolutely insane because I think he was out of the league two years later. Well, he was like, I think he was like 32 years old. Like he, he was, was a, a blocking tight end for, <laughs> yeah, like you said, like 10 years. He has yeah. a monster season, and then he retires like a year later. He was terrible again. Yeah, I gotta look up this guy's stats. Who was even his quarterback that year? Uh, was it like I Brian Hoyer? It might have been Brian Hoyer. Yeah, that's a good call. It might have been. He scored. Because it wasn't Deshaun Kaiser. No, it was before that, I think. He was 30 years old. He had 14 career touchdowns, and nine of them came that season. And he also had 1,000 yards receiving that year. So he probably won. I mean, that guy won you leagues in 2015, it was. So Arnowski, as they were calling him that year. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Dave, you got a hot take? Uh, it was Josh McCown, by the way. It was their quarterback. Wow. Of course. <laughs> All right, Dave. Um, Gorgeous. I don't. I didn't have any more written down. Um, I do think uh, Gesicki is going to take a huge step forward next year uh, with Tua in in Miami. Um, I, I expect him to be a top five tight end next year. I don't know. I could definitely see that. I think that they need to commit to playing him more. That's the one thing that I would look for there. It's just that they're so hesitant to use him on obvious running situations that, but it doesn't, it hasn't limited him this year. So I think that that's one that could have an upward trajectory if Flores and the Dolphins offense decides to actually use him every down. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think the tight end position will definitely be way better next year than it was this year, this year. Seem, yeah. It seemed really bad. So this has been a little bit of a point of contention between Dave and I on the podcast. And now that we have two other people, Brian Flores as a coach, I think he's top tier NFL coach. What, Kevin and Doug, what do you think? Um, I, yeah. Really good. I mean, it's gotta be, I don't know where he would be in the rankings, but he's probably in the, I mean, the job he's done, he's probably like in the top third, top 10. Yeah. Yeah, if he's not top tier, then he would definitely be like top of the second tier. I think that he's a really good head coach and he's it's an interesting situation where he's a sort of a disciplinarian coach that players like. And yeah. I think that that's a hard balance to find in the NFL because you have guys like Matt Patricia who try to be disciplinarians and everyone hates them. But it just it works with Brian Flores, but I think it works for him because that's who he actually is. He's not like trying to do some impression of someone else like some of the other um, Belichick disciples have done. So I think the players just see him as a very real person. I think that that helps. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't think he's bad. I just thought that uh, the fact that they were basically drafting a whole new O-line, I didn't see them being successful <laughs> this year, but they've definitely surprised. Definitely. So this might be a question from mail, Doug, which uh, <laughs> anybody listening can read every Friday at right. nested.com including christmas morning christmas oh, is wow. friday right yes yeah um my thoughts or my question for you is when belichick finally leaves do you think they could lure somebody like flores back to 
be the the new guy or do you think he just doesn't care about that sort of stuff i know you had a good relationship with him no i don't think he would care about that i i I don't think that that's really an appealing position for for someone anyway to take over for bill belichick like (laughs) they almost need like i don't know i don't know like the the cam newton equivalent as a head coach would be but to like bring that guy in for a year let them go like three and 13 and then bring in the guy that they actually want or something Uh, it's it's just a very unenviable position to, to follow a legend like Brady or Belichick. So yeah. I'm not sure who the guy's going to be, but it's probably not going to be fun for him. So yeah, is, I mean, is I, Belichick leaving after this season? Is he getting out? I have no idea. No one knows that. I mean, my, my thought, my, I, I brought that up because I was, I read an article about Roy Williams replacing Dean Smith mm-hmm. where, and I was like, Oh, that's kind of a similar situation. Right. No, I mean, I could potentially see like McDaniels taking over or something like that, but like, I don't think that they would be able to hire someone away to come back. Like, I don't know, New England, uh, it's, it's an appealing situation, obviously, because they've got really good ownership, but it's still, it's, it's not that different, I think from other teams and, and you don't have that like legacy hanging over you somewhere else. All right. Uh, Kevin, I know you have one hot take that I read at first and I was like, wow, that's hot. And then I actually talked myself down and, and kind of talked myself into it. Can you figure out which one that is? I assume you're talking about AJ Dillon as a top 12 running back. <laughs> that is <here>. it. <laughs> okay. Um, first of all, I think he's, I just, I think he's looked pretty good. And yeah. I know there's a lot of very, very limited carries, but he's huge. He's pretty fast. He's a poor man's Derek Henry. He's obviously mm-hmm. not as good as Derek Henry and never will be, but the Packers don't really have a history of, re-signing running backs and Aaron Jones is basically the only guy from that class at that level that hasn't gotten a deal yet. Kamara signed, Cook re-signed, Mixon re-signed. Um, I don't know if they're going to re-sign Aaron Jones. As as dynamic as he is, they're, they're hesitant to give him a full workload. They basically still to this day are splitting him and Jamal Williams. Um, do you want to pay, you know, do you want to pay a, a Mixon type contract like 25 30 million guaranteed to a guy that's going to play 50 percent of the snaps um and has had some injury problems in the past so i think if i had to bet i would bet that aaron jones actually leaves in free agency opens the door for aj Dillon. um you don't draft a guy in the second round to just sit on the bench forever so i think that the, the when they made that pick they probably anticipated that there was a good chance they're not resigning jones and you know, if you're mildly talented in Aaron Rodgers' offense as a running back, you're pretty much automatically fantasy relevant. So I think AJ Dillon would have huge touchdown upside. Um, could could produce kind of similar to what Eddie Lacy did early in his career with the Packers. So I I like him a lot as a breakout running back next year. Williams is also a free agent too. Yep, yep. I think they I like might, he's a guy that they easy. might be able to resign for cheap, right. but I, but yeah. I think he would be kind of like his, his same role right now with Dylan yeah. being the lead back. Yeah. I, so at first I saw that and I was like, why in the world would that be? And then I basically talked myself through what you just said. The only way I would kind of deviate from that is if that Packers team seems like they're very close to getting there and it's worth franchising them for a year because that, you know, just lock him in for one more year, don't commit to him, hope that he shows up and, you know, run it back. Yeah. Um, especially sure, if he's probably a sign a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah they, could, they could still draft 
another running back. Like they could draft Eddie Etienne. I don't think they're going to do that, but that'd be wild. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, they would just like quit. He'd be like, I'm out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they dropped another thing. long QB in round two. They, um, yeah. I, I think that they they might look at it kind of similar to how New Orleans looked at Camara this offseason. And the, you have an aging quarterback. You you are a Super Bowl, you're a Super Bowl contender. And that player is going to give you the best chance to win. So maybe they just suck it up and say, okay, you know what? We have Rodgers for two more years. Let's just pay Aaron Jones. That might happen. But just the way they've handled that position, they've really not since, like, I think – you know, Ryan Grant, maybe they, they gave an extension to, but if you look at their running backs, they've really just played guys out on the rookie, like James Starks, Lacey, Brandon Jackson. Like they've played a lot of guys out on the rookie deals and then let them go. Um, Jones is better than those players. So that, that they might change there. But I think that they, I mean, ever since they picked Dylan in the second round, I thought that they figured that Aaron Jones was not going to resign. Yeah. I have a, I have a Patriots related hot take. Ooh. Mm, yeah, this doesn't this uh doesn't make that much sense coming from me who cut this player uh at some point this season but i would rather have jacoby myers on my team than damian harris and i don't know if that's hot or not i don't know really where they stack up dynasty wise but it's it's an imperfect comparison but in like 2013, would you have rather had Julian Edelman or Steven Ridley? And obviously you would have much rather had Julian Edelman for the next six or seven years than Steven Ridley. But I think that Damian Harris is better than Steven Ridley. And I think that Jacoby Myers isn't as good as Julian Edelman, but those are the, those are the roles that those two players play in the Patriots offense. And as long as that same offensive system stays in place, that's probably where they're going to play. And there's going to be much more upheaval at running back moving forward than there would be at wide receiver. I think I agree with that, especially just because you can ride out a okay wide receiver much longer than you can ride out an OK 